0: about your Bible and something to take some notes with. We are going to keep going in our series this morning. Uh, as we kind of go, we, I was going to end it because it made sense with the name of the series, Road to the Cross, that it would end and culminate on Easter. But I have enjoyed this series so far, uh, just studying the events around Christ's path to Calvary. And so this has been a chance to look at stories, maybe sometimes that get overlooked in the Easter story. Uh, maybe sometimes that just kind of get seen as means to an end and we don't really dwell on them. So we've just been looking at those events surrounding Easter. Uh, And so in the first week, two weeks before Easter, we looked at uh, Christ going through Jericho and Zacchaeus in his tree trying to see Jesus and then the blind man that Jesus heals. And then we looked at Palm Sunday a week out where it was a triumphant entry into Jerusalem on the donkey and then he goes and cleanses the temple a second time. Uh, And so we looked at those events surrounding and then on Easter we celebrated how Christ went to the cross and how even at that moment, at his worst moment, he had mercy on the thief crucified right next to him. And then he gave up his life and he died. And we celebrated last Sunday that he didn't just stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead for the forgiveness of sins that anybody could call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And we celebrated. Yeah, all six of us are excited that Jesus rose from the dead. It's just incredible that he rose again on Easter morning. And so that's the moment where I want to pick up our story. And so now Christ has risen from the dead. It is the first Easter. It is this exciting, incredible moment. We have looked step by step. And I want to pick up that moment because I want to look at two guys on that day. Two guys on that very after Christ has risen. Two guys walking along who just who have Jesus with them, but they don't see him. They, they, he's there. He's right next to them. Two of the first people to see the risen Christ, and yet they don't see him. Anybody like that? There's something might be right in front of you, and you see it, but you don't see it. You know what I'm saying? There is a difference there, right? It's just, English language is amazing, everybody. You see it, but you don't actually see it. Where are my people who are bad at finding things? Anybody bad? Yeah, come on. You are my people. You are my tribe, all right? It is my people. Anybody, you just, it's right in front of you, and you just can't see it. Anybody married to somebody who just is bad at finding things? Anybody? (laughs) Just say, Amen. There we go. I don't know you people. There was one time early in our marriage, uh, Lisa and I have been married, I think for about a year and a half. And I was in one room trying to find something, and I'm shouting, like, it's not here. And she's like, it's right there. And I'm like, it's not. And she's like, it's right on time. And she was telling me where it was. And I'm just, you know, how, you know how it is. It's a healthy marriage when you're shouting back and forth across the house. And so I'm shouting, it's not there. And then everybody, I saw it right where she said it was. And so I got really quiet all of a sudden because I had suddenly realized. And I did what any good, humble husband who was a follower of Christ did. I moved it, everybody. I moved it. <laughs> So I could pretend like I found it over here. Only time I ever did And I didn't tell her. And so then I finally, the only time I told her, a few years later, we were doing a marriage conference here at the church. Uh, And so in front of, we were doing our little breakout session. So in front of like 30 or 40 of you, uh, I confessed to the thing that I had done. So the first time she learned about it was in front of witnesses. So she couldn't do anything drastic. Come on, somebody. And so... That's really healthy for a marriage. That's what that is. That's really that's what she find out about. But you ever you ever see something and you don't see it like it is staring you in the face. If it was a snake, it would have bit you. You ever see it, but you just can't. Best illustration I could think of this would be like an optical illusion. Like it's there in front of you. You know, it's there. Everybody around you like, can't you see it? Can't you? And you're like, I just I don't I just can't see it. When I was growing up, I could not see the magic eye thing. Everybody would be like, don't you see the incredible picture? And I'm like, I don't. And I hate you all for seeing it. And so I thought I'd throw a couple of these optical illusions up there for you today. First one, check this out. Throw that first one up. But How many see, how many see the, the rabbit? Anybody see the rabbit? You see the rabbit with the ears, right? And the eye looking over there. Raise your hand if you see the rabbit. Come on, if you see the rabbit. All right, how many see the duck? Anybody see the duck, right? Wait till you see it. Quack if you see the duck. <laughs> I'm juggling. Don't quack, everybody. You just... Did you see the right it's there alright throw the next one here's the next one for you alright how many see the face right you see the glasses and the nose and the face there alright how many see the word liar anybody see the word there you go yeah tilt your head tilt your head to the, to the right left do you see the word depending if you saw the word liar that says a lot about you everybody if that's the way <laughs> we have a whole psychological break <laughs> but both of these pictures both things were there The whole time, but you probably saw one or the other. You probably, until he was said to you, you didn't see it. You saw it, but you didn't see it. And I want to look at a couple of guys this morning, very much like that, very sympathetic to them. Who saw the risen Christ, but they didn't really see who he was. Or the significance of why he was there at that moment. Luke chapter 24, we'll start in verse 13. So this is picking up right after the resurrection, the story. Verse 13, the Bible says, now that same day, so watch this, now that same day, so what day is this? This is Easter, right? This is the day Christ rose from the dead. That same day, when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible says, two guys, two of them, so these are two disciples. These aren't the original uh, 11 who are left of the apostles. These are just two disciples who have been with Jesus, though, following his ministry. Two of them, believers in Christ, were going to a village called Emmaus. Now, that is not... A person with an Alabama accent saying a mess. That is a village called Emmaus, everybody. All right, that's just, that's funnier to me than it is to you. All right, so going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. So they're just walking along, two disciples of Jesus. One's name is Cleopas, the other one, we don't know who he is. But they're two disciples. And Jesus has risen from the dead that morning. And now they are walking along seven miles from Jerusalem. They have no idea that he has risen. They think, and we'll see the story in just a moment, they have some ideas about the events, but they are as downtrodden, broken and shattered and sad as they could possibly be. Because the Bible, I think we talk about this, we go to this next, it said they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. So the first time you read this... It almost sounds like they're just kind of shooting the breeze. They're just talking about events and things. They're talking about LSU baseball. Come on, somebody. March Madness. They're just having a good time. Talking about the economy or whatever it is. It's just a first glance. They're just kind of shooting the breeze together. But actually, their conversation would have been a whole lot more intense than that. Because, see, all of their lives, and honestly, all of their parents' lives, all of their grandparents' lives, great as far back as you want to go, these guys have heard this prophecy That one day there would be a Messiah. That one day there was somebody who was coming who was going to redeem the nation of Israel. One day there was someone who was coming who was going to be the Messiah and set them free. One day all of these great things are going to happen. And so their grandparents and their great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents, all of them would have heard these prophecies and stories and talked about these events saying there's going to be a Messiah who's going to redeem the nation of Israel. That God would send them. And so they've been hoping and wishing and praying and expecting and dreaming for that moment. And all of a sudden, in their lifetime, on the scene comes this guy named Jesus of Nazareth. And he is different than anything they have ever seen or heard of. When he speaks, it is like the voice of God. When he is with them, he knows things that he nobody else could possibly know. When he, he touches, he does miracles. He's so like anything else in their existence. And they start to think, could this be the one? could it be the Messiah? Could it, we hope he is, we, we think he is it could it be could it possibly be who he is? And they put all of their faith into believing that Jesus is the Messiah. The problem is three days before this moment, they watched their possible Messiah be crucified on a cross and all of their dreams died with him. Everything they had hoped for, all the lineage of hope, all the lineage of belief, all that, all that had all come to that moment that they had believed, they had put everything in this, and then their hopes died with Jesus on the cross. It's the moment when they realize our life is not going down the path that we had hoped. Our life's not going down the path. It's not going to be the way we thought it is going to be. Let's not draw away from the gravity of the moment because sometimes we just think these two guys just walk in and talking and skipping along the lane down to a maze. No, these are these are two guys who have suddenly realized everything that we everything we put our trust in isn't going to happen the way that we thought it would. And honestly, some of us are in a season like that right now in our lives. We wake up one day and you think, you know what? This isn't the master plan. This things aren't going the way that I was hoping things would go. Like maybe you go off to college and you think, I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to do some things. It's going to be great. And everything's going along to plan. And then you hear back from home that your parents are getting a divorce. And you're like, no, 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 no. This is, no. This isn't how things are planning to be. Or maybe you've been dating somebody for a long time and you think, okay, this is it. This is the person. This is the one. And you put all your eggs in that basket. And you're like, things are working out great. And then suddenly it doesn't work out. And you're thinking, how do I pick up the pieces from this? How do I come back from this? When am I, Who am I in this life. Or maybe you you got into a relationship and you got married, you said, till death do us part. And then the parting came before the death. And suddenly you're thinking, okay, how do I pick up the pieces of this? How do I do it as a single parent? And how am I going to actually navigate these things? Things aren't going like you planned. Or maybe you're saying, you know, this is this is a time of life that I'm really going to enjoy. And this is my, you know, this is the time we're going to be closer together. A thing, And then suddenly one of your parents has Alzheimer's and you're thinking, okay, we have to care for them now. And, and it's right that we care for them. But how are we going to pay for this? And how is this going to look as a family? And you think, okay, this isn't the plan. This is where these guys are. This isn't a happy morning where they're thinking, okay, maybe this is where they, they, their dreams are shattered. Everything they committed their life to is gone. And it says they're walking along the road and they're talking about everything that happened. And verse 15 says, the Bible says, as they talked and discussed, as they're in this moment, Jesus himself, watch this, came up and walked along with them. It's just a beautiful picture, everybody, that Jesus himself, the risen Christ, is walking with them. Verse 16, it says, and they walked, but they were kept from recognizing him. He was with them, but they couldn't see that it was Jesus. Why couldn't they see that Jesus was with them? Maybe God was thinking, you know what? I need to teach you something first. Like, maybe God's, I'm going to keep your eyes closed until you learn to actually believe I am who I said I am. And then I've done what I said. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe God was like, I'll keep your eyes closed until I can just like, bam, surprise you. And it could be this amazing moment. And we're going to have this, maybe we don't know why they couldn't see him. But they can't see who Jesus is. Maybe God is like the truth. You can't handle the truth. Come on, somebody. Like they just thought, whatever it is, they can't see. They're kept from recognizing Jesus. And the risen Savior is walking along and they don't have eyes to see. Whatever it is that happened, they can't see this thing. Ever happened to you, the answer to what you need is right there and you don't see it? Like it's one thing you're looking for something. But like the actual answer, the actual thing is right in front of you. And you can't see it. You're looking right at it, but you can't see it. A few years ago, I had a phone that broke on me, everybody. And I'll share you the, the physics of it because I don't really understand. But I managed to run over my own phone with my truck, everybody. All right? It just, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. All right? So I ran over and it's, it was dead, dead, gone. And so I did what all of us do. And I started to ask friends and family if they had any old phones that I could have. Right? That's just what we do. We beg phones off of other people. And I had one family member who told me they had an extra phone. Only problem was it was cracked. And I thought a free phone is a free phone. How bad could it possibly be? Turns out it can be really bad. All right. It can be (laughs) because this thing wasn't just cracked; It was like shattered. Like it was, you know, the Craigslist ad where they say in good condition until you show up and it's been through a war. Like you understand, like that is what this was. But a free phone is a free phone, and so this became my phone. Everybody, I was very proud of it. You might have remembered that scene. For about a year, I had this phone, just completely spiderweb cracks all over it. My kids weren't allowed to touch it because you would get glass in your finger. It was amazing. It was a career, just awesome time. So about a year, I used this phone, just trying to like tap and do things, and it was amazing because then I could explain to people why I wasn't answering their calls. It was just a great time in my life. Come on, some of you need excuses like that. But my phone was just just spiderweb over. Well, one time around Christmas time, about a year later. We were visiting some family uh, in another city and I was driving around. They were getting ready before uh, Christmas dinner. And so I'm out driving and I saw a phone repair shop and I thought, you know what? I'm going to give myself a Christmas gift this year. Come on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this stupid thing repaired. I'm going to go in and see what we can get this thing. So I went in, I gave him my phone at the counter, gave it to the guy, told him what I wanted. And I went and sat in one of the chairs and picked up a magazine, right? Because I didn't have my phone. So now I'm like a caveman reading magazines. And so I pick up my phone. About 30 seconds later, the guy comes back to the counter and he's like, Mr. Workman? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, I think you need to see this. And so I walked up to the counter and he kind of put it on the counter between uh, the two of us. And he proceeded to pull off of my phone. And you might see where this is going, everybody. A completely damaged and broken and shattered, but completely separate screen protector. (laughs) To reveal beneath a perfectly clean, never been touched, perfectly new screen. (laughs) And it got really quiet in that repair shop. You ever get it re- You Ever been in a conversation where it gets really quiet and you know the other person is thinking how big of an idiot you are? <laughs> I'm kind of getting that feeling this morning everybody. I'm just feel <laughs> I'll Be honest, I'm feeling it right now. A year I used this thing a year i 'm thinking oh i 'm saving money baby oh i'm just I just it's not that bad oh i'm just thinking, I got glass in my thumbs, but it's all great a, a year I used I had a perfect screen underneath, and I never saw it had the thing I wanted underneath, and I never saw it now, I have decided not to tell you which family member gave me that phone, everybody, all right, in the spirit of i 'm going to protect them and so I've decided not to tell you you like that dad I protected you, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I needed and I didn't see it walking with me every day and I didn't see it use it every time. I didn't see the thing. And then these guys are walking along devastated that Jesus has died and Jesus is walking with them and they don't see him. They didn't recognize And Jesus jumps in the conversation. I love this about you. Watch this. He jumps in and he asks them, what are you discussing as you walk along? Jesus just, I mean, (laughs) he's just messing with them. I love this about you. He said, what are you discussing together? And they stood still, their faces downcast. These guys are shattered. These guys are devastated. And the Bible says, he said, what are you talking about? And so Cleopas, one of the guys, asked Jesus, are you the only visitor to the Are you only visiting? Are you the only one who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days. In other words, what backwards, illiterate backcountry? What kind of don't you watch the news? You've been living in a cave. Like what are you doing? And Jesus could have said for yeah for three days and three nights. I had been living in a cave. You know I just. But he said, "Don't you are you the only one who don't know?" I don't know. You could possibly just imagine what is going through the mind of Jesus in this moment. He is back like he has done what he said he would do. He has told them time and time again. He has made no secret about what's supposed to happen and how he is going to come back from the dead. And he is in this moment and they cannot believe that he has done what he said he would do. And they don't recognize him. And I don't know, just put it in my holy imagination. I'm just thinking like if I were Jesus, I'd be like, I'm back, baby. Like it would be this moment of just incredible. Like I'd jump out from the bushes and say, could you read the other gospels? And Jesus does that. Like he shows up, he just pops through walls and like scares the mess out of everybody. He just enjoys at the end, just, just showing up and being like, peace to you, peace to you." They just, and everybody freaks out. But in this moment, he just comes walking up alongside of the Jesus before them. And he just comes right up next to him. Now, if I'm Jesus. I'm like, it's me. I did what I said I would do. I, I told you I was going to be beaten. And, and I know that things look dark in the garden, but don't you remember how I set my face towards the cross? Can't you guys, don't you remember I told you that I would be whipped and beaten and they beat me and they beat me and they beat me and I endured. Why? Because I love you and I redeemed you. And he stands before them and he said, you know, and then I went to the cross. I set my face and they whipped me, but every stripe was for the forgiveness of your sins. And then they drove the nails through my wrist and they crucified me on the cross. But I could have called legions of angels, but I didn't because I was in this thing to redeem you. And then when the time was right, I looked up to heaven and said, into your spirit, I commit my spirit, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And I died and the earth shook and the sky drew dark, but I didn't stay dead. When everybody else was crying and praying and, and worrying and wondering and everybody else was all fearful and afraid, I was taking back the keys to death, hell, sin and the grave. And you no longer have any hold. Death has no hold on you because I am risen. And he's before And I'm here with you right now. And they didn't see him. And he said, I'm, I'm risen. I'm walking with that. I would, have, I would have slapped him upside. I'd be like, it's me. And these two guys, like so many of us, are downcast. They're hurting. They're alone. They're afraid. And the truth was right with them. And they didn't see it. The truth was right next to them. And they didn't see it. Verse 19, they said, hey, all of these things have happened. Are you the only one who doesn't know all these things that have happened in Jerusalem? And Jesus says, what things? Come on, Jesus is messing with them. He's like, what things? He asked about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of the people. Check that out. Powerful in word and deed. And so they're talking to you. They're like, OK, let's just tell this bumbling idiot about Jesus. He just must not know who Jesus is. They're like powerful and where he was a prophet who was incredible. When he spoke, it was like no one else we had ever heard speak. Like the voice of God when he spoke. He knew things that nobody else could know. He spoke things. He said things with his voice. He spoke. When he spoke, it was like feeding on living bread. When he spoke, we were changed. Our lives were changed. Tra- he was powerful in word and then powerful also in deed. Like when he showed up, miracles happened. He opened blind eyes. He, the ears of the deaf, he healed them. He fed 5,000 with like fish and some crackers. He, he did this amazing. He turned the water into wine. A, a kid died. He spoke and he was raised back to life. Powerful in word and in deed. And then verse 20, you can almost hear their voice change. Like the plot changes. He was powerful, but then the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. And then verse 21, but we... And read this, read this little phrase with me. But we had hoped. And you can, in this one little phrase, but we had hoped. You can see their shattered dreams. You can see where these two guys are. They, they go through powerful in word, and deed, powerful to do all these things, but they crucified him, but we had hoped. It tells you a little about their, that they were downcast, that they were shattered, they're broken in this moment, but we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's now the third day since everything took place because he told us he was coming back on the third day but there's nothing and we had put all of our hope and all of our dreams and all of our, our we had put everything in this bet we had trusted him we believed he was the one we had hoped and there's nothing some of you you're in a season of we had hoped right now but we had hoped But but we had hoped and maybe it was you had a a dream for something large or a ministry in a season of life and it just didn't pan out. Or maybe some of you, you were carrying the hopes of your family. They were on you. We had hoped that they would be this, but we have realized that they are not. And you have a shattered dream, but we had hoped. And some of you are going through a season in this moment, but we had hoped it would be this way, but it's not. We had hoped that they would do this, but now we know they won't. But we had hoped, you know, a couple that I've known since high school, loved them dearly. They would say, but we had hoped that we would have children, but we can't seem able to conceive. My greatest dream was to be a mother, but I just can't seem to have a child. But we had hoped. What do you do in those moments, in those seasons where you're shattered like this? Let's not take away the gravitas from the moment. Let's not try to just strip away and make it this story we pass over and just get to whatever else is in the book. We had hoped, but we had hoped. Some of you think "Well, we had hoped, you know, I was going to put all this money and go into college and get this degree because I had hopes of doing this big thing or having this thing and using it to get it. But now I have all this debt because I was thinking I was going to get this job that was going to make a difference in the world around. me. But I'm now I'm doing this stupid thing that I think is so far beneath whatever. But we had hoped we had hoped it would be different, but it's not there. You know, we had hoped to be celebrating our anniversary and to be going on this big trip together. But now, now we're fighting over who gets the sofa and who gets to keep the dog as we divorce on the way out. But we had hoped. But we had hoped. And I don't know what season you might be in. I don't know where you might say these words, but we had hope, but it's not happening. But we had hoped that we would be able to retire and spend this time together. But half of what we had suddenly vanished overnight overnight. Now we're going to work till we're 150. We had hoped. But we had hoped that this would be a time, a season of life where we would enjoy together. But now we're on a full out battle with cancer. But we had hoped. Skies are in this moment where they are shattered. And walking along with them was the risen Christ. Powerful in word and deed. And they just couldn't see him. Couldn't see him. The story continues. Verse 22. They said this. They're still telling him the story. They said, in addition to all of this, some of our women amazed us. Some of you guys, you need to memorize this phrase, right? Some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. But watch this. But they didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And then some of our companions went and they found it as they had said. But watch this. But they did not see Jesus They didn't see him. And so sometime after they've heard this story now, they've left for the road for Emmaus and they have decided it's been the third day. It's not happening. We don't know what they're talking about. It's not happening. They crucified him. It's not happening. We put all of our trust. It's not happening. We had hoped and it's not there. But him they did not see. The tomb was empty, but they didn't see him. The stone was rolled away, but they didn't see him. God is walking with them, but they didn't see him. And sometimes life is like that. you ever noticed sometimes it is easy to miss him in the moment? Occasionally, it is difficult to see God at work when he is at work in our lives. But then for some reason, so often in the rearview mirror, you begin to see, yeah, he was at work. We're reading this story 2,000 years later. We're like, yeah, God was right there. He was right there. And you'll see in just a moment in the rearview mirror, it's easy to think, okay, yeah, I see him in those moments. It's so hard to see him in the present. But when we look back, we're able to see, yeah, I see God orchestrating God's hand at move. But in the moment too, oftentimes we're in that we had hoped. We had hoped. But then we look back and we think, okay, yeah, I saw him there and he was there and he was here and he was good. Even in our moments of shattering, he was working to bring it all according to his purpose. So oftentimes it's hard to see him. But if we truly believe in our faith, the Bible says if we're one of his, that he never leaves us or forsakes us. But so often in the moment we can't see him, but we look back and we see his hand at work. And the reason I can talk to you about the resurrection and the salvation of Christ is because I have seen him at work with the sheer confidence of knowing he was with me, even in the darkest moments of my life. That even in times of personal pain, even in times of familial pain, even in times of those moments where it felt like nothing is happening the way we thought it would. That looking back, we see the hand of God at work. That he's with us even when we don't see him. Even when we're in that moment of we had hoped, even when we're in that moment of despair, in that moment of shattered dreams that the risen Christ is walking with us. The faith that we have, we had hope, but we know Whatever we see with our own senses, whatever we feel like is happening, but we know that the risen Christ is with us. That we had hoped and maybe we can't see, but in faith we know that God walks with us, that he's there comforting in the moments. When I look back, I can see. And here's my favorite part of the story. Check this out. And let me just tell you the the context. Jesus begins to explain to them all the way from Moses to that moment. He begins to explain to them the prophecies concerning himself. He's like, you guys didn't get it the first time. Let me just explain everything. He begins to tell them they still can't see who he is, even though he is giving them all of this hours he's teaching and seven miles of walking, he teaches them. And then they get to where they're about to turn off. And the Bible says, one translation says he acted. Jesus just play acting. Jesus acts like he's about to go further. And they're like, no, 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 you're awesome. You're going to stay with us. Like, come, come teach us a little more. Come eat food with us. We're going to turn off here. And so it says they, they invited him to stay with them that night. And so he turns off, he acts like he's going further. Verse 29, the Bible says that they approached. He continued as if he were going. And they're like, no, no, come with us. Watch this in the next verse. But they urged him stay with us. So he went in to stay with them. And so a little bit further in, it says they were sitting at the table with them. And watch this. He took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and began to give. Now say yes, if the answer is yes. Have you seen this phrase anywhere else in the gospel? That he took bread and broke it and began to get. Yeah, you've seen this all over. This is, this is a moment. So many times you see Jesus do. When he fed the 5,000. When he has the, the thing. When he fed the 4,000. When he has the last supper. When he does probably every meal they had. He breaks the bread. And begins to give it. Now I'm imagining what this could have been like. Because watch what it says in verse 31. It says, then suddenly they recognized. Watch. Then their eyes were opened at that moment. When he breaks the bread and he gives. Now imagine this moment for these disciples. Because it wasn't like the hours of theology. Incredible teaching that he gave them on the road. It wasn't the time he spent with them. As they walked mile after mile after mile. No. The moment he broke the bread. And suddenly their eyes were like open to this moment. They saw him. I don't know how many. These are disciples of Christ. I don't know how many times they have seen him do this. At the miracles. At the suppers, At the things they've had. Whatever it was. They have seen him do this. The meals they've had together. And in that moment, he breaks the bread, in their eyes—it's like the woo at right? the part of the movie where, like, it's the M Night Shyamalan at the end when the twist happens, and you suddenly have like the flashbacks of I saw this and I knew that, and I—and they can—I don't know what's going on in their mind at that moment, but they saw like, yes, we, we remember when he broke the bread, we remember when he said this, we remember when he was crucified, but he said he would rise. We—I saw his body on the cross, but I saw—and all these things. And suddenly, they realize that Jesus is at the table. And in my holy imagination, I, I think Jesus just winked at him. And then watch, he disappears. I love this. We're back to the, this is the, I love this about you. He, they, their eyes get so big, they realize it's Jesus. And poof, he's gone. And they lose their minds. They go crazy. They're like, it was Jesus. It was him. He was walking with us. I, I knew. And then one of them is like, didn't our hearts burn within me? I knew it was him. I knew. I, you ever have a friend like that? Like, I knew it all along. I knew. He didn't fool me. I was on the road. You remember my heart burned within me. It's Jesus. We know. And these guys, they go crazy. They, they. It was Jesus. We're in our hearts burning within us. Whether this money was there and we didn't see him. I just imagine. I can't imagine how they. we had him. He was walking with us. you have a moment like that? And I honestly believe if you have been walking with Christ for any amount of time, you have moments. Maybe this morning you're having a moment where you look back and you see him. And maybe you didn't see him the entire walk to Emmaus. Maybe you didn't see him in your shattered dream. Maybe you didn't see him comforting and leading you and teaching you. Maybe you didn't see it, in the, but you recognize you have a moment. Where you look back and you see, yeah, God was at work. And it looked like the darkest moment of my life, but God was at work. And it looked like I was shattered and I'd never come through it, but God was comforting me through his Holy Spirit. God was with me every moment, every step of the way. He was at work. He was pouring into me. He was leading me, guiding me. And you have a moment where you look back. These guys realize in that moment, yeah, he was with me. He was with me. I'm telling you, the only reason I can tell you that is because I have seen it. The reason I can trust that he is at work is because what I have seen him do. The reason I can put my faith in what he is going to do is the things that I have seen him already that have been done. The reason we can trust him is we have trusted him all the way and he has never failed us. That he loves us, that he is with us. And so these two guys, they realize what has happened. Their eyes, the Bible says, are open. Some of you need to have your eyes opened to God at work in your life. And it's to me, the more that you see the work that he has done, the more your eyes are open to those things where he was faithful in those moments where he was with you, the more your eyes are open to see him in the present. That my eyes now that I have seen what God has walked me through, that I have seen what God has comforted me through, what he has led me through. Now I see him everywhere in the present. I see him at work in the conversation that I, I see him even in my mistakes where he picks me up and reclaims me and puts me back into a position. I see him in those moments because I have seen him be faithful you got to have eyes to see him. I see him in our church, seeing people who are letting go of the things of this world, falling more in love with Jesus, following after. I see him in those moments, God, at work. Healing and restoring and redeeming. And the more we begin to see it, the more we have eyes. It's difficult to see, but the more we see him at work, the more we see him in the present. That he wants to open your eyes. And that's what he does. These two disciples go tearing back to Jerusalem. Seven miles, right? They have, tried. I've, I've worked it out, everybody. Approximately, it's about from here to the mall of Louisiana. That's where they walked. Seven, and they have done it once already that day. They have gotten like half a bite to eat. They haven't eaten anything, right? Jesus had just broken the bread. And they go tearing back to Jerusalem because they cannot wait to tell. And it says seven more miles. They go back and they find the 11 apostles. They find all the other followers all gathered together with their own stories. That yet Jesus is alive. He's appeared to him. He appeared here. He saw Peter. He did. The, and they come back. Just, I just see them breaking back into the room. Like we saw him too. He was with us. He walked with us all the way. We saw him. And then in that moment. Jesus does what I love so much. He pops through the wall. And he's like peace to you. And they freak out again. Come on somebody. It's just amazing. This story. You didn't believe me. This is it's an amazing story. It scares the living daylights. And watch what he does. Watch what he does in this moment. Watch what he does. He opens their eyes. And he opens their minds. Verse 45 of Luke says he opens their minds. Some of you need to have your mind open. I want to go back. Second Corinthians has a verse that says the God of this age, little G, this is Satan, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Some of you need to see God at work in your life. Some of you, even before all of that, you need to see just the salvation that is available to you, that your mind has been blinded to. Watch what Jesus does. He suddenly appears to all of them. Verse 45 in Luke. And he says that they opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He begins to teach them in this moment. Scares the life out of them. I love that about Jesus. Then he sets them all down and he begins to teach them. He it says he opens their minds. Somebody needs need your mind open to what the salvation actually means for your life. And watch, he said, this is what was written. That the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. You understand, 2,000 years later, that's what's happening right now. That's what's happening right now. That this is available to you right now. Some of you need to just have your mind and your eyes open to what God is doing in your life, that God is orchestrating, God is healing, God is walking with you. Some of you refuse to recognize. But then there are those of you who just blinded in your mind. You can't see what salvation means for you right now. I want you to see it. Not because of anything eloquent that I would say. I want you to see it because you've seen what Jesus did for you, that he died and rose again, that salvation would be available. Can you see God at work in your life? That it's not an accident that you're in this place right now hearing the story of Jesus. It's not an accident that you're watching online that you maybe clicked on this and you're hearing the story of Jesus. It's not an accident 2,000 years ago from that moment to right now. Can you see God at work? Can you see Him at work? That in this moment you have heard that Jesus died for you. And that salvation and forgiveness of sins is being preached in His name. That right now he loves you. That right now he is here. That right now you have a moment, an opportunity. That salvation is available to you. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, I pray right now, God, would you open up our eyes to see you. Open our eyes in the middle of our successes and in the middle of our shattered dreams. So we can see you at work in our lives. God, in the middle of our success, in the middle of our failure, God, we ask, open our eyes to see you. We know you never leave or forsake us. Let us see you at work, God. Show us, Father, how you are orchestrating, how you are working things out for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Right now, God, I pray, let us see you in these moments. I thank you that you do comfort us in our moments of grief. That you walk with us in our moments of shattered dreams. That you are with us. Knowing we're in moments of failure when we think we had hoped, but it's not working out. God, show us your hand. That you are at work in a broken world. And God, teach us to recognize you. Give us eyes to see. And God, even now as so many are swirling, Father, in a sea of hurt and despair and brokenness. I pray your comfort. I pray your comfort, God. Those in the midst of maybe the worst seasons of their lives, God, show yourself strong. Holy Spirit, bring the peace that only you can bring. That passes understanding. That's not what any words that any of us could say or any comfort that any person, God, that we could try to bring. But bring the peace that only the Holy Spirit can give. We pray that right now. the peace that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus and Lord give us the ability to see your hand at work even in the we had hoped moments that you are with us that you walk with us every step of the way now some of you are here today or you're watching online and, and before you even get to that point You're at the moment where you need to have your eyes opened, your mind opened to the salvation available to you. Some of you, maybe you're in church for the first time in a long time. Or maybe with Easter, you decided, okay, I'll give this thing a chance. Maybe we'll see what this is all about. Or maybe somebody invited you or maybe you're watching online and you just kind of accidentally, whatever it is. But maybe for the first time, you're starting to see, okay, this is who Jesus really is. And listen to me, I don't know your life. I don't know what season you're in. Maybe you've run from God and maybe you decide, okay, I don't want any of that religious stuff. Or maybe you were hurt at one point in your life and you just kind of gave up on it all and you pushed God away. And maybe you tried it and all you found was hypocrisy in the church and you decide, okay, I'm done with the religion thing. I don't need that. Maybe, maybe in this moment, finally get a picture of who jesus is you finally see that he died for you You finally see that salvation is available for you and you realize up until this point you just said okay if i'm good enough maybe i'll make it into heaven if i if i do enough things maybe maybe it'll all work out and you see but you finally realize That salvation is there for you, not on anything that you have done or anything that you will do, but that right now in this moment, salvation is there for you, that Jesus died for you. And listen to me, that he loves you more than you could possibly imagine. I don't care who walked out on you. I don't know who hurt you. I don't know what season you lived through. I don't know what shattered dreams you had. I don't know what, I don't know all of that. But what I do know is that God loves you. And I know this with all of my heart that he wants you. He wants you. And so this morning, I want to give you an invitation. Listen, I'm not in this for any pride or ego. I'm not going to make you stand up or come. I'm not looking to embarrass you in front of your friends. or f- I'm not, It's not what I want. And it's an invitation not to join a church. This isn't a chance to give money. That's not what this is about. This is an invitation for you to find Jesus. And salvation is available for you in this moment. And so let me just tell you about the heart of our church. And we've decided we would pray this prayer of surrender, this prayer of salvation with anybody who wanted to pray it, that every week we have a moment where we say, we'll pray this prayer with you. Nobody prays alone. But right now, if you want to pray that prayer with us, you say, hey, I want to dedicate my life. I want to surrender. I want to repent of my sins. I want to turn and I want to follow Jesus. This is your prayer. So come on, church, let's pray with them right now. Say this out loud. Say, Jesus, save me. I repent of my sins. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.